It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912 268 2328-912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's. It's a, it's a tongue twister. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. Uh, today's show is also being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, if you've ever watched this show, you've guessed it. My book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Pettis Man of the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. And if you're looking to get a signed copy, fear not, boys and girls. All you got to do is visit the website, www.billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. Or if you're looking to get uh, a, a discount uh, for a signed copy, and if you want to get more than one, just drop me an email directly, and I'll hook you up, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. Let me spell it for you, all right? It's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, coming up a little bit later, uh, we'll have uh, Dax Khan join us and uh, my man Alex Perpally. Uh We're going to be talking about the uh, fight, uh, t- the fight, I should say, uh, Terrence Crawford. Uh, against uh, Jose Bentavidez Jr. took place uh, last night on ESPN, which incidentally, I, I don't know about you guys. I, I know I've been critical uh, about uh, Mark Kriegel, and I'm not a big fan of his. But aside from that, and he really wasn't even that bad, beside from from just how I felt. I, you know what it is? It's him replacing Teddy Atlas. I just felt that Teddy Atlas was a mainstay, although – uh, somebody had told me, you know, oh, Mark Creeble, give him a chance, give him a chance. Well, you know what? He sounded pretty good last night, and so did uh, Joe Tessitore. I mean, the commentating was, I thought, was the way I want to see and listen to a fight. I mean, it, there was no yelling and screaming. There was intelligent commentary. They knew what they were talking about, and uh, they called the fight like it should be called. Uh, the action was happening in front of them, and that's what they were uh, talking about. And I thought it was a, uh, uh, a, a pleasure. To, uh, to watch and listen uh, to a broadcast uh, that is supposed to be done like that, at least in my opinion. But anyway, Terrence Crawford, in case you missed it, uh, knocked out uh, Jose Benavidez Jr. in the 12th and final round. As a matter of fact, when it was waved off, I believe there was about 19 seconds left. The official time is it went down as uh, 2 minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, Terrence Crawford improved to 34 and 0. With 25 knockouts and uh, Benavidez Jr. Uh, losing for the first time in his career, 27 and one right now, uh, took place in uh, uh, the home area, I should say, of Terence Crawford, Omaha, Nebraska, and I thought it was an extremely entertaining fight, and I had moments when I'm saying to myself, oh, 
you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I think Terrence Crawford is uh, either the number one pound-for-pound pound or tied with uh, Vasily Lomachenko for uh, number one pound-for-pound pound in the world today. And I said to myself, well, you know, I, I wasn't taking anything away from Crawford, but I thought maybe the size difference uh, was a little too much. That was until the first five rounds were done. After that, uh, Terrence Crawford shifted into another gear. Talking about shifting into another gear, joining me right now to get his thoughts uh, is my man Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Hey, good morning, Bill. How are you doing today, pal? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing very well. What was your thoughts on the fight, brother? You know, I, verbatim, pretty much what you thought. I, I, I love the uh, the commentary. I thought they did just a, a great job. and uh, But the fight itself, it was entertaining. I thought that uh, Benavidez uh, had his moments, uh, I, especially early on. If he was going to do anything or to have to uh, establish any kind of direction or plan, it was in the first two or three rounds. He let that opportunity go, and the master of disaster, Crawford, just uh, took over. And uh, he basically looked like he was having a fun night out there. And uh, don't get me wrong, Rodriguez had – I mean, uh, Benavidez did have his moments, but uh, they were becoming fewer and fewer as the fight progressed along. And uh, ultimately, I'll tell you what. Terrence Crawford just put on a exhibition. He just he just was just great, great fighter, pound for pound. In fact, I found myself looking at his style and his southpaw stance, and I reminisced a little bit when I used to be an early sparring partner for Livingston Bramble. Livingston Bramble, uh, maybe they're not in the same same class, but he was he was coming up the ranks rather fast with uh, his style. Uh, being a little awkward and being a southpaw and being able to hit you in a way that uh, I saw Terrence Crawford. It was just a little reminiscent. But I think Terrence Crawford did a fabulous job last night. And he truly is, in my opinion, one of the pound-for-pound uh, pound best out there today. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages, <laughs> uh, we're sorry. Uh, Sal's having some video problems. So you, the, okay. the shot you just saw of Sal was... His itty-bitty face in the center of that big, giant blue screen. But uh, uh, we'll work on that uh, during the next break. But, you know, I was thinking of you, Sal, during the fight because um, I was saying to myself, is that the issue that Crawford was having early on was the height issue? Um, he seemed to, to seemingly, at least in the beginning, have a little trouble. Then he, uh, uh, he was able to connect. I think the early body work helped him. The other thing was was that you know Benavidez, he he stopped doing. He he had his game plan. It seemed to work in the beginning of the fight, but I don't know if the, if he was tiring. Uh, Post fight, uh, Terence Crawford felt that uh, he saw him tiring. I didn't really see that. I did see him stand there with his his hands down. The other thing I noticed about Terence Crawford is although he didn't look disciplined at the weigh-in uh, when they had their little melee. Uh, but uh, he certainly was disciplined during the fight. He would not get sucked into uh, Benavidez trying to get him uh, to fight uh, uh, him against the ropes, to fight Benavidez against the ropes. But to be honest with you, Sal, I thought that that might have been advantageous for Crawford. Um, I thought that, you know, when Benavidez was, was lure, trying to lure him in, that that might have been a, a decent game plan for Crawford uh, I could see Crawford trying to, you know, fight on the outside with with a guy the same size as him or even smaller. 
But on the inside, I thought maybe that might have been a smart move for uh, for Crawford. What was your thoughts on him not uh, taking the bait, so to speak, and uh, and moving in close? Well, I'll tell you what, Crawford, he is. That's why he's one of the best. He's a thinking fighter out there. He's a strategist. He looked at it. And I think those early rounds, that's why I said earlier, I think uh, Benavitez, his best, his best shot was early on because he came out there to try and establish a jab. But what I saw Benavitez do was just follow Crawford around the ring. There was no, like, counter step to cut it off to do anything else. He was content and just trying to throw his jab at him while he was following Crawford around the ring. So he fell into the Crawford uh, trap, if you will, or the style of fighting the fight that Crawford wanted to dictate and tone. He had the first two rounds to establish and do something different. He didn't, and the momentum you could clearly see was going towards Crawford, or Crawford as the fight progressed. I don't think Crawford was, was doing anything more than with a, with a um, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, what a Floyd Mayweather would have done is just assess who he's in the ring with and how he's going to outsmart him. And, and, and that's what he, I think he did the first two or three rounds. And, uh, you know, sure, he could have been on back on the ropes, lure him in, get him there. But I, I think, you know, the overall size difference, hey, guess what? He's early developing into the, the welterweight that, uh, that his body's going to fulfill and, and be able to handle. And so, you know, he, he was taking his time. That's all it was. He wasn't trying to figure out anything else other than the, the fighter's style and how he's going to play chess game with this guy and, and be the best. And he did. Well, you know, I didn't see uh, – and, and you know, we're going to actually talk a little later about uh, Mayweather and some news with Manny Pacquiao and, and so on and so forth. But I see no – similarities uh, between Crawford and, and Mayweather in any way, shape, or form, and I'll no, tell no, you. No, 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 no wait. No similarities. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you why. No, I, I, I think I know what you meant, but this was, a huge, this, was a, this was a huge difference between the styles. And as oh, yeah. a matter of fact, Benavidez's uh, uh, father, Jose Sr., was saying that in between one of the, in, uh, one of the interviews live uh, in between rounds. They were saying that they appreciated – that Crawford wasn't running. And now, if you look at, and, and you know, we, we get into this argument all the time, not you and I, but, you know, the fans that, that are, you know, like Floyd, who, uh, you know, whatever, but they claim that what Floyd does is uh, the sweet science. He's avoiding being hit. But the part that they leave out is that he's running. It, it's, I don't care how you, what you call it, he runs. He, he, he moves out of the way. But he's not in position to inflict damage on his opponent until he sets up again, throws a punch or two, then he leaves and he runs. I'm going to use the word run. Well, Crawford does not do that. Crawford might dance around a little bit here and there to just set up what he's going to do next. But he does not run. And this was actually in Benavidez's favor because of his lack of mobility. And they were hoping he wasn't going to run. And he didn't. A guy that stands in front of you, giving up a height and reach like Terrence was, uh, and then is able to land punches and spin you around and get on the right side of, of the foot that he wants to be on, and, and all of those things that he's able to do. Boys and girls, that's the sweet science. That's a guy who's in position, giving up. The, the reason why I respect Terrence Crawford so much and the reason why I'm such a big fan it's because he's willing to exchange, and he's a finisher. 
even the commentating. You know, I, I, I was getting to the point where I'm saying this fight's going the distance, Sal. And then in that last round, when he rocked him with that with that shot, that uppercut, he, he was, you know what? He found the home for that uppercut early in the fight. He landed it lightly, and then I never saw him go back to it until that, that drop when he, when he hit him. Uh, in that uh, final round, and, 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 right and, and then the, the commentator said, "Okay, here we go. This is what Crawford does best. He's one of the best finishers." And I'm and I happen to glance at the time left, and I'm saying, "Yeah, he doesn't have much time." But man, what uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Talk about knowing how to finish. Going in for the kill when it's safe to go in for the kill is what Terence Crawford did, and that's what makes him an exciting fighter, Sal. Well, you said it, and you hit it on all points. And my only analogy was uh, with the Floyd Mayweather comment was that it, the first one or two rounds he was rounds he was kind of assessing, just staying back, figuring out. He wasn't running in no way. And what I love about Crawford is just exactly what you said. He stays in the pocket. He's in position to strike his opponent at any time. And he was uh, using some defensive skills, but he was right there all along to, to hit him. And uh, you're right, man. That that, that last. Um, that right hand uppercut was just devastating for uh, Benavidez, and uh, you know he couldn't recover from that. And what the commentator said, just as you said, uh, well, let's see what kind of finisher Terence Crawford really is. And bam, he just jumped on him, uh, saw it was safe, and he went off on him till the referee said, "Okay, uh, he's had enough. We've had enough, and I'm going to make sure that the, he no one gets hurt." But uh, Crawford, he impressed me very much so. And I, uh, I look forward to seeing him fight over and over again and again. Um, you know, you look at the uh, welterweight division. Do you look at the top names in the division aside from Terrence Crawford? Uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's fights that we would love to see um, with uh, uh, the other top uh, welterweights. I think with Terrence Crawford, we will see them. Um, I don't think there's... Uh, uh, much uh, that we need to wait or marinate, or uh, I think they're there. I think it's time uh, to uh, to to have them. You know, um, in my opinion, I I mean, what other? And no disrespect to Benavidez, um, but what other uh, non-top four, top three welterweights out there would it make any sense for Terence Crawford to fight? I mean, uh, what's your thoughts? No, he. Guess what? Terrence Crawford has arrived. He can fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. And uh, I mean, he's seasoned. He knows what he's doing in the ring. He's cognizant of the fact of where he is, who he is, and how he's going to dismantle an opponent. And he, you could put him in with any welterweight in the world, and uh, I'm sure he'll fare very well. And uh, yeah, it's it's it, you cannot see him take a step back and fight a non-entity who's a, not a top top contender or champion in the welterweight division. It wouldn't do him any good. It wouldn't do his service any good. It wouldn't do the game any good. He's a top contender right now for the welterweight title. And uh, he could fight any one of those guys. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what we would expect from Terrence Crawford, a ringmaster who knows how to stay in the pocket, exchange blows, slip punches, and land devastating punches that are going to definitely cripple his opponent. I'm, I'm a big Terrence Crawford fan. Can you tell? Uh, oh, I'm a huge fan. I mean, the fights I'm talking about, of course, uh, Errol Spence Jr. Uh, is a fight that I, you know I would love to see. That'd be I'd, a great I'd, fight. I'd, I'd love to see him fight that 
extinct fighter. You know, Keith Thurman. You know, and then you got Sean Porter out there right now. Uh, even Danny Garcia. I mean, those are the fights for him. I, I don't see any other those name. Don't, I don't see any other name that no, I would want to see. No. You know, um, unless uh, um, you know some of these guys that claim they're retired want to come out and really prove it. We'll get to that in a little bit. But just to get everyone caught up on the rest of that card, um, Shakur Stevenson. Oh, the, uh, uh, you know, this kid, what promise he's got. Uh, he improved to 9-0 and with a first-round knockout of Viral uh, Simeon, who drops to 21-3 and with nine knockouts. You know, it's funny. Um, I, you're watching a fight, and the commentating, who I thought did a great job, they're like, okay, this, this is actually going to be a really big test. Uh, uh, Simeon is no slouch. He's no this, he's no that. And all boom, he's knocked out. And, you know, the fight's over, you know. And uh, uh, I was like, man, I guess uh, I guess he passed that test. Um, another fight on that card, uh, the resurrection of uh, Mike Alvarado. Um, he's uh, improved to 40 wins and four losses with 28 uh, of his wins coming by knockout when he stopped uh, Robbie uh, Cannon. Uh, with a second-round knockout, 41 seconds into the round. Cannon drops to 16 and 14 with three draws. Um, stay busy. Get you back in the ring. We're going to get you a, a bigger fight. Mike is the level of this fight. I mean, Mike uh, Alvarado, mile high, if you will, um, obviously has seen better days, and I think top rank is just uh, trying to get him in position uh, for a, uh, a big fight. I just hope that... Uh, uh, it's not against a guy like Terrence Crawford or somebody like that because he wouldn't stand a chance. Uh, yes, he knocked out uh, Pea Shooter Cannon, uh, who, you know, come on, we're talking 16-14. Uh, uh, you know, he's almost a 500 fighter. Uh, Alvarado, even though he's seen better days, uh, needs to knock out those guys without a problem. And also uh, in on that card, in the uh, junior middleweight division, Carlos Adamas improved to 15-0 uh, and 0 with 12 knockouts. We need to take care of uh, Joshua Conley, who drops to 14-3-1. Uh, Another two-rounder, two minutes at a, and 17 seconds at the second round was when uh, that fight was waved off. Um, another fight in the uh, World Boxing Super Series in the Bantamweight uh, division, Zolani Teet um, improved to... Uh, and and I I think I I keep pronouncing his his name wrong. I don't think it's Teet. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, I think how, how did do you remember how they pronounce that name, Sal? Um, it's not Teet. That's how I pronounce it. But it's uh, whatever it is, Zolani. Let's just say uh, ZT. Say Zolani. Yeah, ZT uh, improved to twenty five and three with twenty one knockouts. He scored a twelve round unanimous decision over Mikhail uh, Alovovian, who uh, was in his fourth fight going into the ring. Uh, very uh, uh, accomplished uh, amateur, but uh, uh, did not uh, fare as well uh, in the pros, at least against uh, ZT. Uh, four and one now, uh, Alanian. Uh, with that, the way the judges scored it, 114-111 twice, 114-110. So that's the uh, quarterfinal, one of the quarterfinals for the uh, uh, World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight uh, division. They also had a quarterfinal in the cruiserweight when Andrew the Beast Tabidi, uh, an American fighter, uh, improved to 17-0 and 0, uh, when he won a 12-round decision over Ruslan Fair, Favor, 
uh, who drops uh, his first fight of his career, 23 and 1 now, 116, 111, 115, 112, 114, 113, with the way the uh, judges scored it. And um, a heavyweight fight on that card, uh, Andre Fedezov. Uh, he improved to 31 and 3 with 25 knockouts when he won a 10 round decision over Joey DeWedgeco, who drops to 19, 6, and 4. Those were some fights uh, uh, that took place on the undercard. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about those fights a little later. But, Sal, some news I wanted to throw at you before uh, uh, you take a, uh, a coffee break is Manny Pacquiao signed with Al Heyman during this past week. And uh, we had heard a couple of weeks ago that Floyd Mayweather was uh, wanted to have a rematch with Pacquiao. Uh, you and I have been talking about that potential fight since the end of the first fight as time went on and as these careers went on I believe it's the only fight for both of these fighters uh you know Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao would stand zero chance against Terence Crawford I, as a matter of fact I would love to see Floyd fight Crawford because uh, quite honestly Crawford would kick the crap out of him um or Errol Spence or any of those so so I mean in all fairness you know, Pacquiao or Mayweather would not stand a chance with these top uh, uh, welterweights, uh, although with each other. Here's my problem. I don't have a problem with Pacquiao signing with Heyman. Obviously, that's a, a prereq to, to the rematch. But here's what uh, the discussion is. They're forcing Floyd Mayweather. You know, this is the one thing I, I, I always lose respect for Floyd when it gets to this. We both agree that that's the only fight. I think anybody that would be willing to pay for the rematch would agree that that's the fight. If you want to see Floyd come out of retirement, Manny Pacquiao's been active. If you want to see Floyd fight somebody, let him fight Pacquiao. But as Floyd does, he's requiring Manny Pacquiao to fight a fight first. Why? I don't know. But guess who they want him to fight first? <laughs> you know? Do you know already? No, I have no idea. I could only imagine because I would tell Floyd to go jump in a lake or, or uh, take a fly a kite. Well, here's who, here's who, who it is. is. Who I have to fight and when I have to fight. The only see you get. I mean, I'm upset because the only fight, you know, you know how to tell. Manny Pacquiao. The only fight he should have held out for. The only fight he should have pushed. The only fight he should have used the media on his side to get was Floyd Mayweather back in the ring when he first came back. That's it. But anyway. No, who's he supposed to fight, Bill? That's well, a trivia question. Well, here, here's the thing. Here, here, here's the thing. Floyd, I'm, I'm Floyd, Floyd Mayweather had said, let, let's, let's go back to what he said. He said that he wanted to fight Pacquiao, and that fight would happen in December of this year. Okay? Oh, wow. That is what he said. No, he said this several weeks ago. We already talked about this. And now, after, yeah. after Manny signs with Al Heyman, Floyd Mayweather says, well, first... He's got to fight Adrian Broner in January of 2019. And then should he beat Broner, he gets to fight Mayweather again. You know what I say? I say to, if I'm Pacquiao, I say, why should I fight Adrian Broner? No disrespect to Adrian Broner, even though, you know, he deserves a little. Um, this was a guy that said he would, he would require, they would have to pay him $100 million to fight either Manny Pacquiao or Floyd. Why should Manny Pacquiao fight Adrian Broner? I mean, I'm not saying that I don't think Adrian uh, Broner uh, would beat Pacquiao because I, I really don't think he would. But the truth of the matter is, 
is what difference does that fight make? If any, if Pacquiao wants to fight Mayweather, why don't they just get in the ring? If they don't fight in December like Floyd conned everybody into believing, then let them fight in January. Why should he fight Broner? What what significance does Pacquiao Broner have, Sal? What, what, wasn't Broner one of one of uh, um, Mayweather's proteges or something? Yeah, until uh, anyone that's well, halfway, anyone this that's ha- yeah, but anyone that's halfway decent that goes under Floyd's wing ends up it's, turning into well. Well, that's what I'm saying. Adrian Broner. This, this is Mayweather. This is Mayweather's uh, uh, redemption tribute to uh, to Broner. Is just saying, hey, you know, I'll give you this opportunity, make some money to do this and that. While he wears out uh, Pacquiao one fight more to uh, for him to face. Now there's no need. I mean, what the heck? There's no significance behind the fight. There's no need for the fight. Floyd should just uh, stand up and just say, "Hey, you guys have wanted this for a couple of years, and now it's going to happen." Because neither fighter needs to fight any other fighter but each other. That's the uh, that's the only fight that we want to see, if we even want to see it. I'll tell you right now. Pacquiao is, is going to have a similar result. The, uh, it's going to turn out similarly as it did the first time. You know my old saying? I said if Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao fought 100 times, Manny Pacquiao will lose 90 of those 100. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, I, you know, I think if, if anyone really cares about that fight, um, you know, I I would Adrian think. Broner does. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I you know, Manny Pacquiao is no spring chicken either, and Broner, you know, he's a tough out for anybody. He, you know, he's he's got a good chin. Um, you know, he can fight. He's got some hand speed. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, listen. If 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 it's Manny Pacquiao against Floyd Mayweather, then it's Manny Pacquiao against Floyd Mayweather. Next fight for both of them. There, there's no, no nobody needs to earn anything. Yeah. No. No. Nobody needs to earn anything. And quite honestly. Um, should Manny Pacquiao, you know, drink this Kool Aid and and be led around to to you know a possible showdown with Mayweather? Uh, should he get by Broner? Um, to me, that's actually advantageous for Pacquiao, and, and I'll tell you why. I I don't want to see Pacquiao against Broner in any way, shape, or form. But the level of the fight that Pacquiao would have should he beat Broner would be much better, and, and, and there is rumor that Floyd's going to fight someone, um, but I guarantee you it's going to be a bum. Floyd doesn't challenge himself. Floyd doesn't fight quality fighters anymore. He hasn't for a long time. So, you know, should Manny Pacquiao fight Broner first and beat him, and then Floyd fight some slug and beat him, then I, I, I'm leaning towards Manny Pacquiao. But don't be surprised if Manny Pacquiao loses to Broner and Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao too never happens. This fight, the only way it could happen, Sal, is if it happens next. Well, thank you. Just like we said uh, uh, earlier this year, Deontay Wilder's got to fight Anthony Joshua. This fight may never happen because you know what? They keep putting other fighters in front of them. One of these guys can get cut, lose, or or, or you never know what's going to happen. The fight game is not predictable. The only thing that's predictable is when two fighters step in the ring that they're going to be fighting each other. That's it. And uh, uh, I, 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 I'm sorry to hear this more rhetoric and more bull. Um, you know, it's bad enough that we've had to wait again for for a, a Manny Pacquiao, a Floyd Mayweather uh, second fight as we had to wait for the first fight. 
Isn't that ironic that uh, the first fight was five years past the best date that could have happened, and now we're gonna wait another couple of years for for the, the rematch, which I never wanted to even see. You know my stance on that. I no. say, you know. Well, well, th- you see, he- here's here's the 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 truth. Floyd Mayweather thinks it, this this guy is so effed up. Okay, he thinks that he's still the best fighter on the planet. He, he thinks he yeah. thinks that he still controls the sport. And all the fans that buy into this, this TMZ mentality, okay, that that is the reason why I get email after email after email from fans that are not even watching the sport anymore because of what has happened to it. And here's the saddest part. The quality of the fighters today and, and consistently over the last two years have been up there. We have some talented young fighters out there. The problem is, is that the business of boxing has infiltrated the sport so badly that it's turning the true fans away. And the fans that are buying into it now, they're not lifelong fans. They're buying into the rhetoric. They, they like the hype a little bit, and they're, they're going to just get sick of it quickly. You know, and to even suggest that Floyd can control anything and Manny Pacquiao was looking like a puppet here by saying oh, yeah. that he Big would, time. you know, I don't care that he signs with uh, uh, Al Heyman, but oh, I'm over uh, my break. Sal, we're going to uh, uh, kick you to the curb for a few. We're going to get Dax Khan on here in a minute. Hopefully uh, da- uh, Sal can get his uh, uh, video straightened out. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be back in about two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us right now and joining us right now. He's with us right now. He's my man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing very well. I'm glad uh, you know how to work uh, your camera because uh, <laughs> Sal doesn't. Maybe you should give him... Uh, some uh, some camera lessons. He's like, it's not working. It's not working. It's like, yeah, okay. All right. it's a- the, 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 odd, the odd part is, before the show starts, me and, Al, uh, me and Sal are, you know, texting back and forth. He's telling me how to set it up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, the fight last night, uh, Terrence Crawford against Benavidez, um, classic Crawford, I guess you would say. I mean, to me, he did stumble a little bit with the height and reach difference, but... I mean, I don't even know if that's fair to say stumbled. He was in control, it seemed, for the whole fight. What was your thoughts? Well, he adjusted. Um, you know, uh, Benavidez is, you know, he's six foot two. Um, and the odd part about that is um, Crawford actually had the longer reach. But uh, Benavidez, you know, he's a big fighter. And, uh, you know, Crawford, yeah, he was, you know, trying to uh, figure out a way to get in there smartly. He wasn't uh, trying to go in there recklessly. I believe that. 
more of those adjustments was due to just that. He was trying to figure out a way where he can go in there, do his work, and not be countered because Benavides is a counter puncher. Um, you know, so I believe, you know, yeah, it's not really fair to say it's a, a stumble block, no. No, but, uh, I mean, he, he did what he had to do. Um, I thought that uh, – I, I was a little surprised, and I asked Sal this, but I was a little surprised – I would have thought that Crawford would have had no problem fighting Benavidez on the inside. Um, he was very hesitant, uh, whether he just didn't want to get coaxed into what Benavidez wanted him to do or what. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, that's the difference between a good fighter, a very good fighter, an elite fighter, and a great fighter. A great fighter is a guy who will control the ring, control the tempo, you know, make that fight exactly how he wants it and never allow the opponent to dictate anything. And for Crawford to go inside and trade, that would have uh, allowed Benavidez to dictate because Benavidez, being the bigger fighter, being the taller fighter, um, you know, more physically strong fighter, you, maybe if you want to say, you know, would have gave him the opportunities not only to counter, but it would have gave him the opportunities to tie Crawford up, uh, uh, wear him down with his size. So, you know, that, that was very smart on behalf of Terrence Crawford. A lot of guys would have maybe... Uh, you know, with their, uh, you know, due to ego or something like that, they they might have said, you know what, I can beat you at your own game. The only person really in recent memory uh, that I know of uh, that was able to do that effectively is Andre Ward. But you know, Terence Crawford is a different uh, style fighter than Andre Ward, so I don't think there was anything wrong with that. I think that was smart on behalf of him, even when the uh, time Benavidez was on the ropes and um, you know he's, he he was obviously fading a little bit. You know, Crawford was smart. He would go in and he would step back. He wouldn't stay in there for that counter punch, and you can't criticize that. You know, if you expected anything else, and then he would have gotten knocked out because he got caught with a large punch, then you would have criticized that. So, you know, you have to appreciate, you know, what Crawford did in there. He's like a surgeon. No, I, I, I love Terrence Crawford. You know, I've always been a big fan of his. I love his style. He does not run. Uh, he boxes. That's that's boxing to me. You know, he, he waits. He feels a fighter out for a couple of rounds. Then he just he moves in for the kill, and he's effective, uh, just like we saw in the 12th and final round. Uh, one thing I did notice was that he tested his uppercut early in the fight only a couple of times, and it wasn't even with full force. Um, I I, th I think that the first time I saw him throw it was maybe even as late as the sixth or seventh round, and he just tapped, and, and he came back the round later, and he just tapped. You know, it, he landed it, but he didn't fully land it until the, the, the shot that uh, uh, put uh, Benavidez down the first time in, in the 12th round. Um that's what I meant when I said, you know, if he was fighting a guy inside and he saw that the uppercut was going to be effective, obviously it was in his game plan. You know, what was he waiting for? It looked like he was waiting for Benavidez to tire out. He says he thought Benavidez tired out. I didn't really see it. What was your thoughts on that? No, I did see Benavides tire out. It was uh, obvious. Uh, Benavides, I'm not sure what the official or if they even did a same-day weigh-ins. Uh, looking at him, though, he was you know, two weight uh, two weight classes above Terence Crawford on fight night. Uh, you know, um, you know, as far as the uppercut goes, and again, as far as I'm, uh, like I stated before, between the very good elite and great fighters, just because you go in there and you are doing something, as you stated, why didn't he do more of that? He realized, you know something, this kid is fresh. Maybe these uppercuts really aren't going to uh, affect him. He does have a great chin. I believe that the fatigue, uh, you know, contributed and helped Terrence Crawford get that knockout. So why take chances? I can uh, win this on the scorecards, and that knockout's going to come. You know, in boxing, how many times, you know, that, that's an old rule. 
The knockout will come. When you force that knockout, that's when usually it doesn't happen or bad things should happen to you. And Terrence Crawford did the absolute right thing. You know, he just showed more uh, elements of his game. I was going to des- uh, describe, somebody asked me to describe Terrence Crawford as a fighter of the past. He's a little bit of Bernard Hopkins in terms of his craftiness and his slickness, and he's a lot like Tommy Hearns in terms of his uh, his his power, the way he delivers his punches, and uh, his desire to knock the guys out. So, you know, Terrence Crawford is, you know, the complete package, you know, and, you know, there's really nothing to criticize about, about that performance last night. You know, I, I think that Terrence Crawford, uh, right now, Dax, um, should be uh, his next fights. His next fight should be against either Spence, Thurman, or Porter, or, or even Danny Garcia. That's it. You know, I, I don't see any other fight for him. I, I You know, these mandatories that might get thrown in his way. I mean, I think that the sport owes, and top rank owes Crawford, one of these guys. I mean, Terrence Crawford has proved it since the time we saw him on on Showtime as an opponent. I mean, this guy was an opponent three or four fights in a row before they finally realized, hey, wait a minute, maybe we got the wrong guy. And Crawford has been, you know, a top fighter since, arguably a pound-for-pound pound number one. Um, I, so, to me, the only fights that interest me for Terrence Crawford right now is uh, Spence or Thurman or, or Porter or even, I'll sprinkle in, Garcia. Your thoughts, please. You know, Crawford's last six opponents, including Benavidez, have a combined record of 141-7-1. I don't know of anybody, unless I would go and look into their records, that, you know, their last uh, several opponents, with the exception of maybe Vasyl Lomachenko, have such a a high winning percentage. Uh, You know, in Crawford's future... It's a matter of who's willing to sign against him, especially when you look at those uh, those numbers. Or more accurately, it's uh, what other top welterweight promoters can put aside their differences so the high-level fights for him can happen. Uh, we know Spence, Porter, Garcia, those guys would all be willing on their own. But again, with the boxing politics, network adjustments, especially with HBO, um, calling their, uh, their boxing uh, series to an end later on this month, um, you know, and things can be sidesteps, you know, what type of apps aside from the ESPN app with this uh, with that broadcast on. So there's a lot of politics going into that. And, you know, unless something can be, be happen and worked out, what's going to happen to Crawford is exactly how you said. He's going to be a guy who's forced to do nothing but fight his mandatory opponents, uh, sort of, uh, forced to fight guys that are known, their names, but, you know, they're guys who have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And those things aren't going to benefit Terrence Crawford at all. Speaking of names, is Crawford a big name yet, Dax? Unless you have never watched boxing, Terrence Crawford is absolutely a huge name. Well, that's what that's what scares me. For us, for 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 us, the boxing fan, of course, we all know who Terrence Crawford is, and and most, I, I to tell you the truth, boxing fans that I talk to, I don't think I've ever talked to one that doesn't like Terrence Crawford. Maybe early on, but every boxing fan today has to give uh, Crawford the props that that he's owed. But when it comes to being a sports name, you know, obviously boxing, but just with that sports fan who, who, who dabbles in all the sports, they know who Manny Pacquiao is, and they know who Anthony Joshua is. Uh, they know who Floyd Mayweather is. Do they know who Terrence Crawford is now? No, no, of course not. But, of course, a lot of these names... Uh, you know, especially one that you mentioned, the reason why they're known beyond boxing 
or, you know, for their antics outside of boxing. Uh, Anthony Joshua, what helped him a lot was his uh, Olympic gold medal win. Um, you know, some of the other names that you mentioned had to do with, um, you know, the promoters out, you know, outside during the, you know, they had promoters that, that pushed him more, of course, uh, again, their antics. And of course, as I always stress their presence on social media, which, which is key, which is huge, which, uh, more or less has a lot of fighters promoting themselves and, and, um, you know, the promoters, the matchmakers are just putting together all the particulars. Yeah, it's a shame, and that's that's what's disheartening about the sport of boxing. So a guy like Adrian Broner, who's constantly in trouble with the law, eh, more people know that name than than Terence Crawford, you know, outside the boxing world, and that's uh, uh, that's a shame. Uh, right up your alley, the World Boxing Super Series. We had a couple of uh, fights in that. Um, I, Zolani, how do you pronounce his last name? I I know I. Hey, I Tay Tay. Okay, that's I knew I knew I, I was. I, I call him Tito all the time. Yeah, I, I know, but I was corrected, and then I've been trying to, and then I haven't mentioned, had to mention his name. So it's Tay Tay. Okay, thank you. Um, he uh, advanced uh, with his uh, win over a uh, a four fight uh, fighter who was very uh, uh, you know amateur, uh, uh, very accomplished amateur, I should say, uh, Mikhail uh, Alorayan. Uh, what was your thoughts on, on that fight? I, I know it wasn't an exciting fight, but Tete, I, I always thought, was one of the best uh, uh, Bantamweights out there. Was this a good fight for him, an off night, or was uh, Aloyan just that good? Aloyan is a very good fighter. Um, with, I believe he's a 2012 and 2016 uh, silver medal winner. Um, Tete, uh, he stepped out of character. Leading up to this, you know, he promised a, a stoppage over uh, Alonian, and that's something usually uh, we don't hear out of Tate. Tate is not a guy who who talks a lot. I, maybe a lot of that was due to the pressure being placed upon him by uh, a newies win over Juan Carlos Payano last week. Maybe he felt like I have to go out here and I have to perform perform just as uh, impressively, especially over a guy with such limited amount of professional experience, for me to get the um, the respect and for me to uh, more or less be considered as one of the front runners to win this tournament because again Tete is a very experienced guy who's been in there with a lot of uh, world champions and wins over those but um you know go you know uh, trying to follow what Anui did with Payano last week that's a hard act to follow you know uh, Tabidi again you know that's a guy who was sort of in a similar situation Faber you know, that went the distance. You know, there was uh, points taken away in that fight as well as it was with the Tay-Tay fight for uh, holding uh, Faber. I believe he uh, he pushed uh, t- or Tabidi later on in the fight. Uh, you know, so Tabidi, again, um, that, in my opinion, you know, that that's his biggest fight to date on the biggest stage to date anyway. You know, which is a great thing about this uh, series is that it's bringing these guys to places that they've never been, whether or not it's the caliber of opponents or whether or not it's the type of crowd that they've been in front of. Uh, they are definitely, in my opinion, uh, the two fights so far, whether or not this series or, or last uh, series, that have lacked the most fireworks. I know Tete is scheduled next to face the winner of Ryan Burnett and Nonino Donaire, who are going to face off on November 3rd. Tabidi's going to face the winner of uh, Masternak and Junior Doticos. Um, and uh, later on this month, I believe, in Florida, Manuel Rodriguez is going to defend his IBF belt against uh, Jason Maloney on the 27th. Uh, Regis Progray is going to face Terry Flanagan, Ivan Baranchek against Anthony Yigit. You know, so um, a lot of good stuff happening inside there, you know, and, and it's continuously going. It's revolving, and the way this uh, series goes, Bill, and the way that these big fights are continuously happening, that's the way the whole sport should be revolving. You know, I was just going to ask you about the Tabidi fight. 
and um, he's he's I think he's the only American in a cruiserweight um, for for the second cruiserweight tournament. Am I correct, or is there another one? Really, not any American cruiserweights, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I believe he is the only American. Well, it's good to see that he advanced because you know um, that was a guy that there was a lot of fanfare about. And um, I, I like the fact that he's step, stepping up and uh, taking, uh, uh, taking the chance the way, the way you should as a fighter. I mean, that's what fighting is uh, all about. Dax, I wanted to ask you uh, your yeah, thoughts. Speaking of that, Rob Brandt was in last series. And, uh, you know, Rob Brandt, um, you know, he was the only American in that super middleweight division that stepped up and tried to get in there. And even though he lost in his first fight, now he's going to have himself a, a middleweight title fight. I believe next week or the week after he's going to face uh, the the Japanese middleweight champion, uh, Ryota Murata. Yeah. So yeah. you know this thing does big things for you, even if you lose and you lose against somebody that you know of that upper level. You know you're automatically raising your profile. Yeah, Rob Brandt was the only uh, American the last time didn't didn't fare too well. But um, and you're right, you're right, I, and 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 that's all. You know the other amazing thing, and and I'm shocked about. The, the television networks not trying to get this series, at least here in the States. You know, they were so successful with this tournament, Dax, not only with people like us, but they were successful enough where, like you just mentioned, it made a great point that even the loser of a fight has gotten opportunities. The, the opportunity doors have opened, and yet the networks are still lagging behind. I, I don't understand it. Obviously, the fans enjoy it. What's wrong with the networks? You know, it's obviously, you know, we can see with HBO having their last fight card and Showtime, we already know that they have their own agenda. They have their own um, fighters that are, are signed. They're, they're only working with certain promoters. And, of course, with all the apps coming out. So that, that's, I believe, you know, that really plays a factor into everything. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this whole Billy Joe Saunders situation. Um, you know, he had tested uh, positive. Uh, they were very cocky about it saying that it wasn't an illegal substance in, in England, uh, or, or at least with the BBBSC, but yet they failed uh, the testing through uh, the Massachusetts Athletic Commission. Uh, and when the smoke cleared, he gave up his title. Now, Andre is still fighting on the 20th, uh, but now he's fighting uh, someone else, and the WBO has announced that it will be for Billy Joe Saunders' um, you know, uh, uh, vacated title. What's your thoughts, not only on that, but on Billy Joe Saunders? I mean, this was a guy that was in, I mean, we've talked about this guy. His one fight against David Lemieux catapulted him in the eyes of many people in the boxing world, and he just seemed to just let it slip through his fingers. I mean, uh, it, it seems ridiculous. He could have had a fight with possibly Triple G. He could have had a fight possibly with Canelo. Um, he was fighting uh, uh, Andre, no disrespect, but, uh, you know, it could have been a winnable fight for him. And now, where does he stand? I mean, what's your thoughts? Where, where's he gone? Where's he now? Where's he going? Is, is this guy going to be uh, uh, the latest strategy, strategy of boxing or what? I, I think that's going a little bit too far, considering this is his first real, um, at least known incident. And I, I think what really is more disturbing was the video with uh, him and the, I don't know if she was a prostitute or a stripper, whatever the case may be, offering drugs. That is the type of behavior that, beyond the uh, the whole claiming the nasal spray, 
he had no idea about that. That was something that was sickening. Uh, that's something we don't want to see from anybody, especially a world champion. I think that's going to haunt him longer than uh, what happened with the uh, the PED. As far as uh, Billy Joe Saunders, you made a great point with the David Lemieux fight. He suddenly had raised his profile. He had suddenly become uh, in in the mix and considered in there with Canelo and uh, Triple G. And a lot of people felt he probably you know could have beaten both of them so it'll be interesting to see what happens with billy joe saunders uh over the next couple months and that's going to give us our answers but demetrius andre that's a guy who uh, has so much hard luck you know this is a guy who i had lost the title because his team could not manage to get uh things put together he was stripped because of the inactivity he finally gets himself a new promoter he gets himself a uh, a title shot kind of right away then this happens and now he's stepping in there against uh walter uh count i forget how you say his last name cowan uh to Duaka against, you know, uh, who's virtually um, an unknown. He's uh, a tough guy, but he hasn't really fought any names. Now, Andre, you know, this is, you know, he's a hard luck kid. I think uh, him and Bill Joe Saunders would have made a great fight. So, you know, they, 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 the fans were robbed all around in that one. Well, tell us more about uh, Walter uh, Kaut Undanka, Adankwa. Um, I, I, I got to be honest, I, I've never seen him fight. And quite honestly, I, I've never heard of this guy. How did he land this fight? I know he obviously was ready at the last minute, but how did he not only get the fight? I could see him getting, you know, okay, you can step in and fight uh, uh, Demetrius. But how does the WBO approve this for the title? Well, because... Um... Walter, I'm just going to call him Walter so I don't butcher his last name continuously, he has held some of their uh, their minor titles, um, I believe their African titles, um, I believe maybe one of their Asian titles for a couple of years now, and he's beaten some uh, pretty good guys, you know, from where he is uh, over in uh, uh, Nambia. He hasn't beaten any uh, recognizable names except for maybe Godoy, and he's a, he's a knockout artist. I, if I was going to compare him to somebody, I would compare him very much to a Julius Ndongo, you know, that name where nobody's ever heard of, but, you know, he's a a lot better than what you think and he's actually capable of upsetting these guys um so you know we'll have to see what happens with that one and that, but that's how he got that fight is the fact that you know he does hold a uh, a wbo title he was a ranked fighter and again you stated that he was available at the last minute and he's a strong fighter make no mistake the guy is strong i believe out of his um 17 or 18 wins all but one or two are by knockout well you know, knockout artists always uh, always have the equalizer with them. So, uh, but they call him the executioner. Well, you know, uh, looks like uh, we'll you know, and and like we've always said, you know, Dimitri Sandre was a fighter that uh, you know he was coddled a little bit coming up. I I always said that I thought that they were not progressing him well, but then when he did get put in uh, with uh, the bigger names, he performed well. He was the exception to. To the rule, I thought, uh, but you hit it on the head. The promotional problems, you know, him, uh, in my opinion, picking the wrong promotional teams to uh, promote him. He finally gets free, and, you know, uh, is it bad luck? Is it coincidence or what? And here he is uh, once again um, losing uh, uh, a big fight with a big name, although at least he has an opportunity to pick up a belt, which should put him in the mix uh, for a Danny Jacobs or a Canelo or a Triple G or something like that, uh, which uh, uh, which is uh, good. We do get to see Danny Jacobs fight on HBO. I believe that's the last fight, isn't it? Yes, it's going to be the last fight on air. Hmm. And then HBO is off to the sunset. Good. You know, I mean, they really failed us, um, you know, unless they're, uh, you know, rearming themselves and going to come back. But they totally uh, threw up the flag uh, 
uh, in my opinion, uh, the end of last year and then all of this year was. Yeah, oh, and they, they sort of they sort of got Lomachenkoed. Well, you know that you're right. They sort of did get Lomachenkoed. <laughs> you're right, and and the thing is, is uh, uh, you know, Showtime was smart in picking up at least for boxing. They were in picking up all the fights. It's just that their team just isn't as solid, but they got the fights, and that's all that matters, I guess. At the end of the day, that's all that matters to us, right? I mean, as long as the fights are there for us to watch, it is what it is. But uh, any final thoughts on Terrence Crawford and where he goes from here? We already, you know, there's no place for him to go but down. Let's put it that way. And now it's just um, up to whether or not the boxing politics can allow him to have these other big fights. What do we got looking forward to next weekend? Um, Danny Jacobs and uh, Sergey Derevichenko, and also the um, Heather Hardy and Shelly Vincent rematch, and then, of course, the uh, fights that I mentioned with the World Boxing Super Series. Well, you know what? The year is closing off strong, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, hopefully it'll keep, keep its steam going ahead uh, as we approach uh, 2019. I can't believe I'm saying that, but the year's yeah. almost over, man. Even um, real quick, on just and. Really, not don't want to discuss thing um, because I believe it's um, ludicrous, more or less. But um, you were mentioning about the Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather situation. Well, I didn't and, want to uh, bring I didn't want to bring it up with you because your last words to me were, "It's not worth discussing." It's oh, really not, but I, I was just saying, you know, with you know, they mentioned Adrian Broner. Um, I had uh, spoke to you uh, last week or hinted around about all these fights that uh, the WBC had ordered. And we all know that the WBC, whether or not you love them, you hate them, whatever the case may be, that is the most uh, prestigious uh, you know, title out there in terms of value. And that's what everybody wants in this sport. And uh, one of the fights that the WBC had ordered was Jorge Linares against Adrian Broner. And the winner of that fight is going to fight whoever leaves the 140-pound uh, uh, World Boxing Super Series with that title, which is currently held by Regis Progray. So... Could you really see a Manny Pacquiao fight happening before then, if whatever happens at all, um, you know, against an Adrian Broner, if he should beat Jorge Linares, which I think he, he more than likely would, you know, to kind of, you know, sidestep. You see, I just, I don't see all that. that, that it's just all a mind game. It's, it's not going to happen. What? The, uh, the Yeah, that whole, well, if he fights Broner first, and that, it's not, it's, it's not going to happen. Nobody's just going to you know, sit there and say, you know what, I'm not going to fight this guy that's more be that's definitely beatable so I can uh, get myself a bigger money fight against the guy who's more well-known, against the guy who's coming off, you know, more wins that's going to set me up in a bigger way. So it, to me, it just really doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it's it's, of it really doesn't. I mean, it, it makes zero sense. And I, I would really have to question Manny Pacquiao's intelligence should he fall for that. And then don't forget that Broner said publicly – that he wouldn't fight either Mayweather or Pacquiao for less than $100 million. So, I mean, th there's a delusional cat right there. I mean, uh, who's going to pay him to, to, to fight that kind of money to fight? But, uh, no, it's, uh, Pacquiao just needs to uh, hang him up. You know, he's had a I, great career. His win against uh, Lucas Matisse is how he should go out. But, you know, at times we know fighters don't pay attention to those around them, whether or not uh, it was Freddie Roach, his former trainer, whether or not it's Bob Arum, his former promoter. You know, even though if they're not telling you outright, listen, kid, hang them up, it's time to go. Uh, you know, they're, they're giving you the hint. They're showing you all the signs. Sometimes, you know, you just got to follow. You know, or Manny Pacquiao is going to end up uh, maybe like a Roy Jones Jr., a great fighter who's provided so many phenomenal uh, wins over elite and even Hall of Fame caliber opponents. But they end up buried on YouTube because he ends up, losing to uh, guys that are 
or half of his uh, skill set when he was at his best and then ends up fighting guys just so he can get a couple wins. You know, leave the sport on a sensational win over a well-known guy who's held world titles. But, you know, it, this is boxing. This is why we love it and why we hate it. You got it, and I can't agree with you more. Dax, thank you very much. We'll look forward to you next week, brother. All right, everybody. Enjoy the day. That's Dax Khan. You can check out his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have Alex Papali join us. Don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. This, we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and uh, joining us right now to get his thoughts on uh, the fights from the weekend and then some other stuff uh, is my man uh, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Uh, uh, you got your uh, sound problem again, my man. So uh, we'll wait for him to uh, uh, click on uh, the right place, and then we can uh, go from there. Are you there now? Okay, so so Alex uh, uh, is going to work on uh, his uh, uh, issue real quickly, and I will uh, uh, see when it happens. But um, in any event, uh, uh, last time... Uh, uh, this happened. It was the same thing. He, he, he can, I can see him beautiful. It's not like Sal. You know, between Alex and Sal, maybe we should start having them um, work together because Alex is the guy with the uh, uh, Alex is the guy with the with the video correct, and Sal's the guy with the audio correct. And together, we could have them uh, uh, both be part of the show. What he should do is check uh, his mic and make sure that it's. Uh, it's on because uh, I got a great picture, but we have no audio from uh, my man Alex. Um, you know, Dax was talking about the uh, uh, the Pacquiao uh, fight. Hey, Alex, uh, when you uh, as soon as I hear you, I will know that the sound is working. So, uh, um, and it's not. I see his lips move, but I can't hear what he's saying. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's some lyrics, but anyway, Manny Pacquiao uh, signing with uh, uh, Al Heyman. 
Um, and rumor has it for them to uh, possibly set up uh, a fight uh, in January with Pacquiao against Adrian Broner, like Dak says, makes uh, zero sense uh, at all uh, to me. Um, you know, Alex, you should just try. It's probably not on, on your uh, – it's probably on the mic end itself. That something is, is probably looking for the wrong microphone that you have. But uh, in any event, um, oh, 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 do we have you, you now? Okay, now I hear you. Okay. All right. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and, you and Sal, you and Sal, yeah. A couple of, yeah, couple of technical, technical geniuses. But And you're <laughs> usually good. You're usually good at it. You it's right now. He, you can hear me now. I hear you now because what you've, what, what you've done is you've eliminated your uh, mic and headset. And you're back to your uh, computer, so we'll fly with it the way it is. But uh, what's your thoughts, it, first and it, foremost? It said it, it said Yeti microphone was was working, and I could hear it. But uh, they were lying yeah. to you, man. They were lying to you. They were. Yeah, but well, you're uh, actually going in and out. But uh, in any event, uh, Terrence Crawford uh, knocks out Benavides in the twelfth uh, and final round. What was your thoughts on the fight? I really enjoyed it. I think um, he's. Uh, you know, uh, I think he definitely is the guy that you could think of as the number one pound for pound in the sport. Uh, if not, he's up there with, you know, maybe two or three other guys. Uh, he's very, very fun to watch. As you could see, uh, it seems like he's lit up all Omaha, Nebraska. Um, the crowd there was amazing. That's what boxing's about, in my opinion. You know, if you can't draw a crowd, yeah, and, and, and that's okay that it's his hometown. I mean, still, you know, for people to come out, that makes it more exciting. And the knockout, oh, my God, you would have thought, you know, that roof was going to come down. That, that's what you need. These the Fighters today should be like any other high-end athlete when it comes to being able to draw a crowd. And this guy obviously draws a crowd. And he did pretty well when he was outside in Nebraska too, Alex. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know um, – he definitely the the crowd <clears throat> knows that uh, you know if you live in Omaha, even if you're probably not a boxing fan, you know you have one of the best athletes in the world performing in your home city. So yeah, why would you not want to go to that? So I think that um, that's very cool. Uh, you know they even showed uh, that big uh, money guy there. Um, who, uh, what's his face? Warren Buffett was in the crowd. Um, so you figure he's being talked about uh, in a lot of different circles. Um, if you have uh, big, you know, financial people there as well, uh, you know, I'm sure Buffett went home and talked about what he saw. Uh, the thing that's amazing, uh, or that as a boxing fan, not amazing, but it's what you—it's exactly what you want to see—is the way not only did Terence Crawford, you know, fight a, a, a really. Um, dominant and entertaining 11 rounds but in that last round he closed the show uh and he did it in beautiful fashion uh i don't know that uppercut was amazing and it was uh it it actually was part it was partially like grazed uh it didn't land completely flush and it's frightening to imagine if it did um because it did so much damage uh yeah it was just a really enjoyable night I mean, I think the thing that's amazing about him is the way he takes you apart. Um, and he just takes his time. 
and he really reduced Benavidez to uh, I mean I wonder if it was the leg the the bu the bullet wound leg that was causing Benavidez to to hesitate so much or if it was I, I think more likely it was because he was getting uh, his brain scrambled uh, every few seconds uh, with a, a hard combination. Some of the body punching both guys were doing, but Crawford's body punches would come in these bursts of like three shots, and uh, that just, it was nasty. You know, the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, I, I, Crawford took some shots. Benavidez landed some some solid shots on Crawford, something I really haven't seen anyone else do, to be honest with you. Uh, as far as the, the Warren Buffett comment, remember his first boxing match he ever saw, I believe, was a, a Floyd Fayweather fight. And, uh, man, he must have went home uh, saying, oh, that's what the sweet science is. Now I witnessed boxing because Crawford obviously um, – is uh, is that uh, in a nutshell? Hey, we got a super chat. My man Johnston hooked us up. Uh, he wants to know when we're coming back weekly. Um, you know, I I've been asked that a lot, Alex. And you know, I I quite honestly, I um, and I know this is off topic, but you know, I've always given uh, everybody a, a priority if they want to join in the reindeer games with the show here. Just throw us a super chat. It's you know what you put in our account that will make us talk about you now. I mean, it's the American way. But the truth of the matter is, is this: you know, I got turned off a lot by uh, by the sport, not for the talented fighters that we have right now, because I think we have. Um, Probably, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, I don't know what you think, but I think we, we, we have a very talented young crop of fighters um, when you look at the sport in its entirety compared to, you know, five, six, seven years ago. I think we have a lot of talent. What's turned me off isn't the talent. It's the way the business is being conducted. And people say, oh, it's always been corrupt. Yes, it has. And, and I can live with the corruption. I can live with a bad decision every now and then. You know, all of the things I've been living with my whole life with the sport of boxing. But it's, it's, it's up a notch now. And now you have a fan base, uh, uh, predominantly a, a fan base that isn't going to stick around for a long time. It's a, it's a short-term fan base who just doesn't have a clue. And because of the social media aspect of the world today, they talk and communicate like they're experts and shoot down everything somebody says. And it's just ridiculous. And, and I, it, it just turns me off. So once that gets curbed or once there's more demand for us to come back on a daily basis, we will. But right now it seems to be working uh, the way we're doing it now. What's your thoughts on those comments, Alex? I'm I'm waiting for social media to go away uh, before I um, do more things too. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because I believe I believe this whole social media thing is never going to last. It's it's, uh, it's you know yeah. it you know it's like the it's internet. Fact. It's not going to catch on much. I don't it's think you know. It's just a fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I mean, it is it is um, tempting to just uh, want to tune it all out to you know delete your accounts. In um, in some of these, you know, on some, I don't know, Twitter. I've always liked more than Facebook. Facebook is the one that uh, seems to be more annoying. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it is one of those things. It's tough because if you're going to work on the internet, which you do, you're going to open yourself up to those comments, the comments from the uninformed who 
don't care. They just want to sling mud. Um, yeah, I, I think you just have to develop a really, really thick skin and plain ignore them. Uh, but that's tough because, you know, if you're constantly getting te- uh, comments from those kind of, and we've seen there has been in the past trolls that sort of target the show that on a daily basis, there they are, you know, uh, uh, they seem to get the enjoyment out of giving, razzing you, you know. Well, the the thing that bothers me, the thing that bothers me the most is, you know, here I am, we're talking about Terrence Crawford. I love Terrence Crawford. I I, I always have. I've been a long, long time fan of Terrence Crawford. And um, I think he's number one pound for pound. If not number one, he's tied with Lomachenko. I, I mean, there's no other. He's not number two. I, I'll give him being tied with Lomachenko, but he's 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 definitely not number two. You know. Um, so so with that said, I wrote a book about uh, a, a freed slave, Mike Tyson, one of my favorite fighters of all time. Sonny Liston, one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, I, you know, the the connection here is they're black fighters. Okay. Um, I don't like one black fighter specifically, and I'm a racist. You know, oh, you don't like Floyd Mayweather? You're a racist. You know, what? I don't understand where that comes from. It's such a shallow statement, and I think you're right. It bothered me that these trolls, if you will, would say that kind of stuff, and it did affect me because it's so far from the truth. And it, it bothers me that people get to sling that race card around when it's convenient for them in a conversation that they're having when that the the major race issues get shoveled under the carpet you know if you're going to talk about racial uh, issues let's talk about the real issues let's not just talk about issues when it's convenient to throw a race card you know you know what i'm saying i mean it's that's what i seem to to get when it's related to the sport of boxing right and anyone who does that just because you don't like one guy yeah i mean they're pretty transparent uh it you know, I, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing about the internet and uh, and social media and you know YouTube, any anywhere where there's a comment section, um, you know, where comments are allowed to be posted, it has the potential to be perverted with people just you know slinging mud uh, or I want to use worse words than that, but I'll keep it clean. It's Sunday morning. Right. Uh, I appreciate that. Because I mean, cause look, that's, that's what we're talking about. This is, you know, these are down and dirty, uh, things that comments people leave. And that's just it. It's the wild, wild west. You could leave whatever you want, but yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of the sport itself, we are, I don't know if it's quite the eighties, but it does seem like uh, we've got stars in almost every division. It could be the eighties. That's the yeah. point. It could be if they fought each other. That's what the difference is, Alex. Yeah, it's that's... not that we don't have the talent. It's that they're not fighting each other at the right time. We have this tendency to marinate and drag things out, and then it loses luster. It, it's counterproductive. In other words, the marination process. I could see where it would help a little bit, but they drag it out so long that it it actually turns people away from the fight, and it's it's counterproductive. Like like in point, we're talking about Terence Crawford right now, okay? Um, you know, in his big win last night. Um, you know, the fights that I would like to see right now is TC against, you know, Thurman or or Errol Spence Jr. or or Sean Porter or or Danny Garcia. You know, they're mentioning Kel Brook. I mean, I'm cool with any of those names, but I'll bet you dollars to donuts right now that 
we're not going to see that next. We're going to see somebody else. And, you know, it's not, it's, I don't think it's fair to Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford and, and you know, Top Rank, I know they're, they're one of the better promotional outfits. They do actually promote their, their fighters, etc. But they're actually preventing Terrence Crawford from making that huge payday, which I think he deserves and I think he's capable of getting. One of the examples was putting him on pay-per-view way too soon. He didn't do well. The next example was putting his fight exclusively on a streaming service. It didn't do that well, okay? They put him on ESPN last night. I'm curious to see what the numbers are. I'll bet you that the numbers are fantastic last night, especially since it was following my Alabama game. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that this is what this guy needs. He needs a big fight against a big name and make some big money because he's deserved it. Nobody's paid to do more than TC has, Alex. Well, yeah, and I, I would hope that I would hope we get Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence um, only because Errol Spence, uh, I think that's the fight where we're going to get one good fight and we probably would get more than one good fight because I think whatever happens, uh, there would be a rematch. Um, and I think that that's exactly what we want to see is establish a rivalry. Um, and I have a feeling both those guys are badass enough to uh, give us a couple, a, a fight series, you know? I mean, you never know what's going to happen in that first fight. Maybe they'd never want to fight each other again. But I think that um, it, that's a fight that, you know, you have a guy in Errol Spence who's this bold, young contender uh, who deserves a shot. They have Crawford who's looking for a dangerous opponent. I don't know. I think that fight would be great. A Kell Brook versus Crawford fight would be would be fun too, but I, I think that Crawford beats him. Uh, I think Thurman, you know, is going to need a comeback fight, so that's not going to happen. I don't know. To me, Spence Spence Crawford is one of the best sport uh, fights you could make in the sport, right up there with uh, Lomachenko versus Garcia, Wilder versus Joshua. You know, you can go on and on. Um, but and that, uh, that's my point. We have all these great fights. And we're all we're all figuring out who's which one of all these great fighters who they're going to fight next because we are all accepting that they're not going to fight each other and yeah, and, and you know and that's the same the shame of it you know Sugar Ray Leonard Tommy Hearns we got it Sugar Ray Leonard uh, against Duran we got it you know uh, Hagler Hearns we got it you know I, I mean those fights people wanted and we got them and we were treated to to you know memorable fights historical fights etc. You know, now we, we, we have the fights we want. We have unification fights potentially with, with Errol Spence and, and Terrence Crawford, uh, unification fights uh, potentially with Terrence Crawford and, and uh, uh, Sean Porter or, or even Keith Thurman if he still has a title. I don't know. He hasn't been fighting in so long. I mean, these are all potentially huge fights. And you're right, talking about a rivalry. Consider this. A rivalry today, if you talk about a rivalry, you know, a lot of people might mention uh, the Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao as a rivalry because these were two guys that were parallel in their careers. Everybody wanted them to fight. We wanted this fight for year after year after year after year, and finally they get in the ring. It was, it was an anticlimactic fight, and yet the discussion of a possible rematch is still there. And it, I think it might be the only rivalry 
that people call a rivalry in the history of boxing where the two fighters fought once and the fight wasn't even memorable. It wasn't even a great fight, and yet it's still considered a rivalry. You're referring to a rivalry where they fight each other more than once, where we're treated to multiple great fights, and today's fight fan hasn't even been able to experience that. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the uh, recent ones, you know, were Pacquiao Marquez, were uh, Rafael Marquez versus Israel Vasquez. But you're right, they haven't, I mean, most recently we did get Golovkin-Canelo, uh, which is a nice juicy rivalry that's, you know, see, and I think that that's kind of what you're talking about with the promoters who make big mistakes is that, you know, when you have that great rivalry with Golovkin-Triple uh, G, you would think, a rubber match in May would be the decision that Golden Boy and um, and uh, Tom Loeffler, uh, Golovkin's people, would come to. That's probably what the fans would most want. But no, we get December Rocky Fielding, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, in a weight I, class, remember, remember something. That 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 shows you how much Canelo is, is becoming a, a, a cherry picker. This was the same guy that refused to let people think that he could actually make 160 and was uh, parading around as a middleweight champion, making people fight at, at uh, 158, okay? Then he fights at 160, looks bigger than Triple G, who they referred to as a monster. Then he skips over the uh, that division after he wins, basically, and he's going up to 168? I mean, come on, what kind of BS is that? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like a business decision in order to work with um, uh, Eddie Hearn's people as well as uh, to, you know, establish the East Coast mecca of boxing by fighting in Madison Square Garden and also pick up another trinket title. Um, you know, I, I don't know. To me, those are all business decisions that as a fan of the sport, those aren't as interesting to me as good fights. Um, I really, I don't think we're going to see that from Crawford, though. I would expect his next fight to be against a Porter or a Garcia or a Spence because you got top rank behind him. And and I think top rank is not going to waste, at least I hope they don't waste our time with something like that. They saw what happened last night. Um, they must, their ears would probably still be ringing from that crowd. That crowd doesn't want to see uh you know, uh, Crawford fight, you know, a Rocky fielding equivalent opponent next. They want to see a big fight. They deserve to see a big fight. That's pretty awesome to think of. I don't know. Omaha, Nebraska. I, I don't think of that as a big city. It sure looked like a big hopping city last night. Um, and that crowd really came out in support of a fighter. That's awesome. You know, uh, I lived in uh, the New Haven area my whole life. I've never seen an arena do that for a fighter here. Um, so, you know, I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, I, and I think it would be really unfortunate, both as a business decision and to the sport itself, to not capitalize on this and give uh, the sport a good fight. Plus, you got guys who are chomping at the bit. I'm sure Sean Porter or Errol Spence would love a Terrence Crawford fight. So those fights should not be that difficult to make. It's not like 
one guy is like, well, you know, I want to weigh my options. I mean, I think that's probably the issue with Thurman, and, and he's going to want a, a warm-up fight. You know, he'd be crazy to go right into a Crawford fight. Listen, what the, what, what ruins these potential matchups, aside from promoters and, and you know, uh, fighters wanting more than they're worth, etc., are the sanctioning bodies. The sanctioning bodies will throw out a mandatory, and then the way the business works Unless you have a title, a trinket, as you describe, which I agree with, then you won't get the TV deal. You won't get the recognition. The promoters feel they can't promote a fight because it's not a world title fight. So they succumb to the pressure from the sanctioning bodies. So you got, you know, the four major sanctioning bodies really are the ones that are the first level to blame because they might throw some, you know, name at us that uh, Terrence Crawford has to fight. Uh, otherwise, he gets stripped, and then he fights that one. Then at the same time, another sanctioning body for Errol Spence or Sean Porter or, or Keith Thurman throw a name out that, oh, you got to fight. So it, it it's more than just the promoter's fault, but most of it uh, does fall on the promoters because the sanctioning bodies, their loophole is, well, as long as it's a unification fight, we allow the fighters to fight. So at the end of the day, uh, it's up to them. Hey, listen, we only got uh, a couple of minutes. I want to get your quick thoughts on the uh, Floyd Mayweather uh, at least potentially forcing Manny Pacquiao to fight Adrian Broner before he fights him, my thoughts are, who the hell is Mayweather? Mayweather's not even, shouldn't be in a discussion of boxing, let alone dictate to Manny Pacquiao that he needs to fight Adrian Broner first. I, I don't think many people even care to see Pacquiao Mayweather too, uh, and I don't think Pacquiao should even step in the ring with Broner. It's either, it's either Mayweather or nothing. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't want to see a Mayweather rematch, uh, a Mayweather-Pacquiao rematch, but, um, I, I mean, I probably would watch uh, if it did get made. Um, I don't think I'd pay for it, but um, I uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, it wouldn't improve much. Pacquiao has definitely uh, slid back. He's not what he used to be. Um, I think if he fought Crawford, Crawford would destroy him. It would be sad. I don't want to see that. Um, so I think if he fought Mayweather, it's sort of... Even. Well, no. I mean, I think Mayweather I, Mayweather has never... Doesn't have the mileage. But it on. doesn't matter. My point is it, it's even for two guys at the same point of their lives in Korea. You're right about the mileage. That gives yeah. Floyd That gives Floyd an edge. But it's 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 more of an even fight than than Manny against a Crawford or even Manny against Broner. Broner's a a, a very unlikable guy, but he's a talented guy. He's got a, a great chin. He can fight. He's got hand speed. I mean, that's a dangerous opponent for for a forty year old Manny Pacquiao. You don't see Floyd stepping in the ring with someone like Manny Pacquiao. I mean, uh, uh, Adrian Broner. So I, listen, Pacquiao Mayweather too. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. But no, nobody else. I don't think that Floyd needs to fight somebody else. I don't think that Pacquiao has to fight somebody. There's not nobody is waiting for these guys to earn a rematch against each other. If they want it, they can have it next, but not drag it out. That's my point. Well, I I don't know if you saw this week we just got the trailer for the new uh Pet Cemetery reboot, which was a great scary movie in 1990. It's not a movie that needed to be redone. That's what this kind of feels like to me is that, you know, yeah, I'll go watch Pet Cemetery again, but it doesn't 
I don't know. It's the same kind of thing as Pacquiao Mayweather too. You know the names. You kind of have a, you have an idea of what they'll both do, what they both bring to the ring. But it's not you know ten years ago. Um, so you're not going to see the fight that you always wanted to see. Um, I don't know. It kind of it's just sort of going through the motions because they know there's an audience there that will recognize the name. They will pay for it. And it's the same thing with all these movie reboots that they figure, well, here's a generation of people that didn't see the original or they might have heard of the original, uh, you know, on on disc or something. So we'll get them again because they'll they'll pay for it because this seems new. That's kind of what Mayweather's doing here. Uh, the fact that he that Pacquiao signed with Al Heyman makes me think, wow, this fight might happen. Um, but it's still it hasn't upped my interest in it at all it's to me it's stale leftovers they should have re-released the book uh pet cemetery that would have been better (laughs) alex i appreciate it we look forward to you and your sound and your video next week my man all right take care (laughs) that's uh alex papali and uh you can catch him uh next week uh on the show um you know the the whole thing with with pacquiao and and uh uh, the potential showdown with, with Mayweather again. You know, the, the, the thing that bothers me the most, I think, uh, is the fact that, um, you know, Mayweather thinks it's, it's, it's still relative, that people really care, you know, uh, about, um, you know, this fight. And for a lot of reasons, I guess we still do. Um, and I think Alex just hit on uh, a very uh, uh, interesting t- point uh, about, you know, is the reboot going to be better? Um, you know, are people going to think that, uh, you know, it's something that, um, you know, was going to give us the fight that we always wanted or not? Um, you know, the style of, of Floyd Mayweather uh, is, uh, uh, is not uh, a, an exciting one. It's just not. Um, you know, it, it's just... He, he's a guy that, that will never be exciting. He never was. Well, I shouldn't say that. He was exciting early, early on in his career when he was trying to make, you know, a, a name for himself. And, um, you know, somewhere along the line, he became uh, a full-fledged businessman and uh, was not, uh, um, you know, changed uh, that and became a cherry picker and everything else. Something uh, that you could go and, and see the same exact uh, path uh, that, uh, uh, that, 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 um, Canelo Alvarez is following uh, because he's uh, doing the same exact thing. Uh, you know, he's was a guy that came on and, and was, you know, saying uh, uh, he, he's going to be the next superstar and all these things and was well on his way of doing so. Uh, and then um, now all of a sudden he's, you know, becoming uh, a cherry picker, you know. But uh, in any event, um, touching base with uh, Terrence Crawford again. I think that... Uh, this guy is uh, uh, well-rounded. I mean, uh, he's, he's got it all. He's got a mean streak, which is really one of the most important things, I believe, in the sport of boxing today. Uh, successful fighters today have to have that mean streak. And uh, without it, they, they aren't really as, expen- as, uh, uh, you know, as good as, as they could be. Uh, You've got, got to have a mean streak in the sport of boxing. And that's one thing uh, that uh, uh, Terrence Crawford definitely displays. He displays uh, uh, the fact that he does have a mean streak 
and um, he's a guy that that will finish the fight when he needs to. Uh, he goes in for the kill. And um, what we saw last night was a fighter that, you know, I'm almost convinced that he had a game plan of utilizing the uppercut and tested it early on. Like I said, I only saw, me watching the fight, I only saw it, and I was having some, some issues with, uh, with the, with the uh, TV last night for some reason. I don't know if it was uh, my provider or what, but uh, what I saw was, was two early uppercuts that he threw that did not land. Well, they landed, but he, he, didn't, he didn't land them hard. Alex said that he thought that the uh, uppercut didn't even really land flush. Um, I don't know. I thought it landed extremely flush, the one that knocked him down. Um, but I think Terrence Crawford was, was looking at that punch and knew that it was going to open up for him and uh, eventually uh, uh, you know, called upon it to, to do what it needed to do. And, uh, and, it, and it, did the, it did the trick. It, um, uh, it won the fight for him. Uh, so, you know, Terrence Crawford is a guy that uh, shows uh, hand speed. He shows accuracy. He shows that killer instinct. Um, you know, the one thing that I will give Benavidez Jr. credit for uh, last night was the fact that he was uh, definitely able to land some punches on Terrence Crawford. Um, you know, I mean, that's the truth. Uh, you know, Terrence Crawford got hit with some solid shots uh, by Benavidez, which kind of shows us that, um, you know, he's got uh, a pretty solid chin himself. Uh, so uh, that's what it is. Uh, we're having trouble uh, reaching uh, Sal, so looks like he won't be joining us. Um, you know, some other things I, I wanted to uh, mention. Uh, you know, I, I got a couple of uh, emails uh, during this past week um, that, you know, were just uh, personal back and forth. Uh, they did not want them uh, read on air or didn't ask me to, or normally I will. Um, but, um, you know, it also had to do with uh, Johnston's uh, super chat with us uh, going back to a daily uh, format, which is extremely uh, possible. Um, and as uh, my man Namath in the uh, background here, he uh, likes to get on uh, TV as much as he can. Um, but uh, the truth of the matter is, is that, um, you know, I've been critical and I was called out on it about uh, Jarrell Miller. You know, my hang up with Jar- Jarrell Miller, and I, yes, I call him a big fat pig, and he is. You know, he's gained uh, almost 70 pounds since he turned pro. Um, he certainly doesn't look it. Uh, no, no, no. I, I mean, he looks it. I mean, he doesn't look it when he's fighting. Uh, he does seem to be fluid when he uh, lets his hands go, etc. Um, but my hang-up with him is that he doesn't show the discipline that I like to see in a fighter. But more than that, and I don't care what kind of physique a fighter comes in the ring as, if they can produce, then that's all that matters. And there's where my problem lies with Jarrell uh, Big Fat Miller, is that he hasn't really produced. Who's he fought? You know, Tomas Adamak, we're going to give him credit for beating a 40-something-year-old Tomas Adamak who's been in more wars than, than a, a, a fighter pilot. I mean, come on. The, this is, this is a, a guy that sh- shouldn't have even fought. He shouldn't have been granted a license. And, and not only that, but he uh, had been retired. You know, and Jarrell Miller, um, you know, uh, this was a guy that, that turned down 
a meaningful fight for him against Cuba Pulov. He said he didn't like the offer, said he didn't want to go to Batavia. You know, I, he said a lot of excuses, you know, but the truth of the matter is, is that he did not go. And, uh, you know, I, it didn't work. You know what I mean? So um, I look at a fight that that is uh, being discussed right now. It happens to be with Cuba Pulov uh, against Huey Fury. Now, it's not that I'm a huge fan of Huey Fury because I feel very similar with Huey Fury. I did not see him actually uh, fight uh, some of the uh, uh, fighters that, you know, he should have fought before he got uh, a title shot. And, um, you know, Huey Fury, uh, a heavyweight who uh, has got a record of 21 wins, one loss with 11 of his wins coming by knockout, his only loss... Uh, at the hands of uh, the heavyweight that uh, Anthony Joshua uh, last beat. Uh, did he beat Joseph Parker last? No, he uh, the Joseph Parker fight. But Huey Fury lost a, a close decision to Joseph Parker. Now he, at 21-1, is taking on uh, Cuba Pulov, whose only loss was, uh, uh, well, his two losses. One was uh, against uh, um, uh, Klitschko. And did Pulov, wait a minute, did Pulov even, yeah, Pulov fought uh, Anthony Joshua, I'm pretty sure, but those two guys are fighting each other. That is what boxing is all about, when young fighters fight each other. Now, the winner of Huey Fury against Pulov, should the fight happen, is a legitimate contender. It's a guy who beat another contender. That's where I don't respect Jarrell Miller. He's going to get a world title shot, and he hasn't even had to climb the ladder. Speaking of climbing the ladders, a guy that I'm trying to show how to climb a ladder to get his video to work, at least he's here. He, he knows how to pick up the phone. My man, Sal, you back with us, brother? I'm back, Bill. I'm, I'm back. I've been trying to do things to uh, get this video, and it goes in and out. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I need you to, to, to uh, be my uh, air traffic controller here to talk me through it. Um, I'm talking about uh, Huey Fury and uh, yes. uh, Pu uh, Cuba Pulov uh, uh, looking to fight each other uh, sometime uh, as the uh, uh, year is uh, closing out. Um, you know, they're uh, going to be fighting on October 27th, and uh, Huey Fury is actually uh, um, going to uh, Bulgaria. I said Batavia before. I meant Bulgaria uh, to fight uh, Pulov. As an IBF eliminator, with the winner uh, getting a uh, a shot at Anthony Joshua, uh, my my point here, Sal, is that these are two young heavyweights actually fighting each other, versus a guy like Jarrell Miller, who looks to just fight uh, washed up or never been type fighters, but yet pounds his chest like your boy Deontay Wilder, saying that he's the best in the division. Um, we need more fighters to climb the ladder. What's your thoughts? Well, we do. I mean, that's that's the playbook from uh, the seventies, eighties, and even before. That uh, you would, you would, you would have a fighter that you can have uh, established a great foundation, and early on in his career, he's being tested against different styles of fighters, different size of fighters, uh, tall, thin, short, uh, built. Um, boxers, punchers, 
So he becomes a well-rounded fighter. And once he graduates from each of those steps and those, 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 those styles that he can adapt and he can overcome and he can learn, yeah, then he's a polished stone and a fighter that is capable of, of tests beyond uh, the ones that he's been given. And he's able to step up with confidence to face anybody in the world they put in front of him. That's the old playbook. And it, it's what gave fans uh, the type of fights that uh, you would see the fighter uh, develop and to learn. And you'd see the, 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 the strives and the progress. And, and nowadays, it, it's just a different game book. It's just a different playbook. And, you know, it's, it's not as much as an effort on some level to just get in the ring and, and fight the uh, fighter of the week who, who's going to be an opponent. And uh, let's pad up and build up that record. And seldom do we step up the level of competition for these fighters to test themselves and to have the confidence to fight anybody anywhere. And that's the stage, and that's the case, and that's the point that you and I talk about on a regular basis. Uh, so some of these fighters are, that are more than capable of doing it, they have risen to the occasion. Whether it's early or later, they still are capable of doing it. And those are fighters that do blossom. The other ones, uh, like some of the names you, you mentioned five minutes ago, uh, may have never really been tested. And they have just been fed uh, opponent after opponent. And they pound their chest in their, in, in, chest in their, in their false uh, bravado uh, because this is how they have been developed. And it's, and it's going to be a far cry from the truth if and when they ever do step in with a world-class world beater that's going to tear them apart. You know, the, the thing that doesn't make sense, promoters and managers and whoever else is involved with teams want to protect their fighter. I get it. So they don't want to put them in too tough because the gravy train might get exposed or whatever. But... I've said this a million times. What they're not doing is giving the fighter a chance to get better. So by climbing the ladder like the old days, and, and you know, once you reach a, a, a top 10 um, contendership, so to speak, and, and, and this, put an asterisk, because this could go across the four major sanctioning bodies. So as long as you reach number 10 in one of the sanctioning bodies, then from that point on, you should be able to move up and challenge a guy above you in the contendership and move forward. And then as you climb that ladder of contenders, in even, even if you're in a, a sanctioning body that you're not ranked in another one, as long as, I mean, we got to give fighters credit. If they climb the ladder of, of their own sanctioning body, whichever one they're, they're signed up with, so to speak, and they reach that number one spot, that is when they should step in the ring with that champion. There's no other way. At least you prove along the way that you're beating those other contenders. What happens today, Sal, is you know what happens. We got a guy that's a champ, and then all of a sudden some other guy out of left field. Oh, he's getting a title shot. You're like, who is he? And then they build, oh, he's this. He's a badass from this country and that country. And then everyone, oh, okay, yeah, he's good, he's good. He's got an undefeated record, and then he's not good. You know, And then, and then you have guys like Miller who are head and fed bums and, you know, pounding his chest. And I know Deontay Wilder's not really a bum, but 
his career path was very similar. Now he's he's stepped up in in his uh, last fight. He's fought a, uh, a a legitimate fighter, and now he's uh, landed uh, the biggest fight of his career. So time will tell. But the truth of the matter is, is even he didn't uh, climb up the ladder. And then and then because of his success, a guy like Miller might say, "Well, I want to follow the same path as Wilder," or uh, somebody else. Uh, might say, I want to follow the same path as Demetrius Andrade or somebody else that really wasn't challenged early. But do we end up with the with a quality fighter? It's Sometimes we do, Sal, but most of the time we don't. Well, and that's why I say it's a roll of the dice. And, you know, it, it, it's politics, it's marketing, and guess what? Fighters are commodities. And if you have a fighter that could be uh, a winning horse or winning fighter, uh, for for the whole uh, uh, body involved, managers, promoters, this and that, well, they're going to promote them, they're going to protect them, they're going to test them. And to Deontay Wilder's credit, if his pathway was, you know, as you, you uh, often suggest, filled with, uh, you know, bums here and there, guess what? He had to step up to the occasion throughout that pathway, and every time he has, he's been able to come through with his hand raised in the air. So if that's the one model that has uh, uh, has beat the odds and that has risen to the top and now is the winning commodity for everyone else to benefit from, including himself, then guess what? That formula worked for him. But he's an exception to the rule. And the bottom line is we see another one like a, a Baby Miller uh, that you know is going to be uh, maybe stuck on a plateau where he's still a commodity, he's still making some money, selling some tickets, and people around him are, are, are content at this point. But when you do step up and put him in against an Anthony Joshua or against a Deontay Wilder or against somebody else, you know, he might have a, a, a surprise coming for him. That, that's just the way the game is today, Joe. If I, if I were uh, Fat Miller, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be – you know, I'd be cautious about getting in an elevator because that's about where he's going to get stuck yeah, in an yeah. elevator. But I tell you, a good fight for him would be uh, the winner of, of Huey Fury, Cuba Pulov, or yeah. even Joseph Parker. I think Joseph Parker would be a good test for, for Miller. If he beats a Joseph Parker, then I would say, okay, give him a shot. But that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is he's going to get a shot, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's against Anthony Joshua next because regardless of who wins the Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury fight in December, there's going to be a rematch. Both fighters have an opportunity to exercise a rematch clause. So, I mean, if Deontay Wilder loses that fight, of course he's going to want a rematch clause. If Tyson Fury gets knocked out, of course he's going to want a rematch clause. So get ready, boys and girls. We're going to see Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder twice. That's what we're going to see. And in the meantime, Anthony Joshua has to find another dance partner. Now, the W, um, one of the sanctioned bodies, uh, it might be the WBA maybe, uh, there's rumor that they they may force um, AJ to fight um, Dillian White, who was you know the number one mandatory for the WBC forever. But now all of a sudden, you know he's in the mix. He's proved himself. He's climbed the ladder after his loss against AJ previously. That maybe he's going to be a fight. So he's a potential opponent for AJ. Then the other shot is Miller. Don't be surprised if we don't see AJ fight Miller. I would much rather see Anthony Joshua um, fight uh, 
the winner of, of Tyson Fury against Deontay, but I doubt it's going to happen. Another fight I'd rather see is Miller against Dillian White. What's, what's wrong with that fight, Sal? That's a good fight. It's a good fight. And, and as you were going through these, these uh, scenarios, you know, again, if that's the model that, uh, that uh, Davy Miller's camp has adhered to and game plan, well, eventually it's going to pay off because he's going to be in the ring with a world champion or a top contender. And, and, you know, that's their investment. That's a couple couple of uh, hundred thousand or a million dollars that you're investing in. And uh, it's it's time to uh, produce or to, to uh, shut up. And, and that that's just the way, like I said, you're a commodity. And uh, good, bad, or indifferent, like it or not, they're going to try to extend your lifespan as a professional fighter keep you marketable as a professional fighter and make sure they can maximize your payday as a professional fighter. That's what the camps around people that are commodities do. And, uh, and, and it's nothing wrong with it. That's the, that's the playbook. So, you know, like I said, he'll get an opportunity to step up and if he can do so successfully, you know, we'll see him then get the test of time and, and fight for the title, fight for this one, do something special. And if he, falls flat on his face or gets beat badly, you know, he'll, he'll just disappear into the uh, uh, pool of fighters that uh, had potential, that were contenders, that, that were were in a, in a state that uh, just uh, never made it to that next level successfully. As we wrap it up, I, I want to make one point. Another one. <laughs> Not another one, Billy C. Another one. But, uh, well, come on, Robert Peeler. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is this. You know, the we and a lot of the fans that watch and listen to this show are what I would call a diehard fan, a fan that generally has been involved in the sport for a long time. And and if we have some newbies that are just getting into the sport and they listen and watch our show, I'm, I'm glad and I welcome them, of course. But, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is we've been um, blessed with um, getting involved in the sport at young ages and we've followed this sport religiously and loyal. Uh, you know, with a lot of loyalty throughout our lives. And, you know, the reason is because the sport hooked us and we got involved with the sport and we've become what I term as lifelong fans. When you look at today and the world of today, especially in the sports business, you know, you'll see lifelong fans in other sports, in football, in baseball. You know, a, a kid is born and, and their parents uh, you know, uh, you're a Jet fan. You know, I, I've cursed my kids and my grandkids as being Jet fans. And my, I was talking, I was at a wedding um, this uh, weekend, and uh, uh, my nephew. I'm a Jet uh, fan. Uh, and my nephew was, was you know, I'm a Jet fan. He starts rattling off all of the, the stats and all the stuff, and I was impressed. And I'm saying to myself, geez, you know, I'm glad he's a Jet fan. Then I realized my sister, I forced her into a Jet fan, and that's her son, you know. So he, she, so, so the, the truth, and the, the point I'm trying to make is that you become a lifelong fan of other sports and teams and what have you. In boxing, you know, the, the names change more rapidly than the, a team isn't going to change, right? They may move to a different city. Maybe they change their names. A couple of teams have. But for the most part, um, you know, you're a lifelong fan. But when it comes to boxing, you're not. The sport has to keep you into it to a degree. Uh, if you get into the sport and become a fan of a fighter, and then when that fighter retires, there has to be another fighter that you can follow and, and love the sport. That's where the sport is different today, Sal. 
if yeah. somebody was a Jarrell Miller fan or even a Deontay Wilder fan, and, and Deontay Wilder is a great example, if because uh, there's a lot of arguments about Deontay Wilder and and the people that love him love him and and you know the people that like I don't hate him I just think he's overrated, and uh, you know the question is this. For the fan that, that's become a Deontay Wilder fan, and I'm using him as an example because he's, he's a big name in the sport today, that have become a Deontay Wilder fan, should he lose? Should he lose a fight? My question would go back to these fans. Are you going to remain a fan? Are you still going to be a boxing fan? The, you can go back to Floyd Mayweather. There was a lot of people that, that you know wanted to see Floyd lose, but there were also a lot of other people that loved Floyd. And my question is, are they still into the sport of boxing? Is Floyd relative now, even though I think he shouldn't be, but is he only because the fans that follow him stay loyal to him? And then once that fighter is gone, are they going to continue to be fans? Boxing needs to create lifelong fans to keep it going the way we want it to. And I just don't think that that's happening today, Sal. I, I just don't think that... Boxing is in a place where it's creating lifelong fans. You know, you're so eloquent with the with the whole lineage of what you just described, and I and I followed it, and and, and I agree with you 100. Go figure that. Um, you know, growing up, you know, you 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 could see yourself as a Muhammad Ali or Joe Frazier fan, and then when their time was over your level of excitement about the fight game, the baton was successfully passed because now you became a Roberto Duran or a Sugar Ray Leonard fan or a Marvin Hagler fan or a Wilfredo Benitez fan or then you became an Oscar De La Hoya fan. There was always that baton being passed because you were hooked as a fan of boxing. And you said it so well. Every era, there is a star that one could follow if they're a true boxing fan and they could identify with and they could could praise and they could follow and they're still interested and that's true today i don't think that is as evident uh but still uh that pathway that you described is is 100 true boxing was always the sport the core sport the core interest but it was the stars of boxing that you became glued to and that you were uh looking at the, the sport of boxing synonymously with their name and then when they were retiring or their best days were behind them you automatically found a new new star that you could identify, follow, and want to see do do great things. So yeah, that's that's the thing that's that's a shame because it's it's not as evident today. But that was perfectly uh, a perfect example of how it used to be. Well, you know, you know what it was like. What I was talking earlier, you know, we we saw these fights. The the fans demanded a fight. You know, Tommy Hearns against Hagler, or or uh, you know Hagler. Um, against uh, Sugar Ray Leonard or, or Sugar Ray Leonard against Hearns or, or you know, Hagler against Duran, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all these fights, or uh, I should say uh, Hearns against Duran, all these fights, you know, yeah, they marinated for a short period, then bam, we had the fights. So as a, as a fight fan, you know, it was hard. You were into, yes, you had your favorite fighters, but you were into the sport because there was so You're many great sport. fights. You, there were yeah. so many great matchups. Today... It's they they get you into a fighter, and then you follow that fighter, uh, and and you you're because you love that fighter, you're supportive of whatever you know person he gets in the ring with. You're not really 
looking at the whole sport. And that's where the problem is, in my opinion. I think that fans of Deontay Wilder or, or especially D, uh, Jarrell Miller, they're going to disappear. They're going to go uh, you know, into something else uh, as soon as those fighters uh, tumble. You know, it's going to happen. I don't know, Bill. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe there was enough of the hook. Don't that, get me. Uh, don't get me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope yeah. I'm. I hope that 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 today's sport and the way it's run is developing lifelong fans. I just don't see it. Hey, listen, we're out of time already, my man. And yes, we have to make you and I have to make some time to get you straightened out. And yeah. uh, listen, boys and girls, remember. Uh, next week we will be talking. Uh, uh, about the Danny Jacobs fight. Uh, that is scheduled uh, for next week, I believe. So we'll be talking about that one. So you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, i leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Da na 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 na